Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. This is Dr. Thaddeus Venture, and you're listening to the Long Box Guys. Whatever that means. the long box guys gonna do tonight brain the same thing the long box guys do every night pinky drink and talk about comics they're useless to taking over the world yes hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the long box guys with me as always is one of my very best friends you know we're not recording don't don't make josh do we need to read the comic book man <laughs> I didn't read the comic book. <laughs> also talk about it. Well, same here. Duncan, Idaho, fuck you. <laughs> that's that's my that's my critique. Hi everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Long Box Guys. You're listening to Tom just curse randomly. <laughs> yeah. Tom loves tonight's subject. <laughs> Tom, how you doing? What are you drinking? Hey, man, I'm drinking a, uh, a very, very uh, well-oiled Cuba Libre, which is more rum than soda, uh, just so I can get through this episode, gentle people. How about you, Mike? How you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing well. I am out of beer, so I'm just drinking root beer right now. You wild man. Are you on rum springer? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> sure, why not? Vodka Springer, whatever it takes. Hey, Tom, you kind of look like you're on Rum Springer in that shirt, man. Let's <laughs> go <going> down. <laughs> Not much. I'm drinking some Grainstone single malt scotch. It is delicious, delicious scotch. And Josh, I know you're the beer guy. What are you drinking down there, pal? Uh, I have a beer called Phase from a new brewery I have recently had a couple beers from. They are four quarters brewing in Winooski, Vermont. Hey, I know where Winooski, oh, Vermont is. I know where Winooski is. Yeah. It's yeah. not too far from uh, Three Rivers. Uh, yeah, the beer's uh, pretty good. Yeah. I've been to Winooski. Going up that nice. way this weekend. Yeah, yeah, this is their, like, standard, like, 6.5% New England IPA. It's perfectly passable beer. It's it's pretty country up there, too. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, when you said phase, was that with a PH or an F? The PH. Well, glad I asked. Glad I asked. Yeah. Uh, speaking of going through a phase, I used to love Dune when I read the when I read the books as a kid. Uh, really captured my imagination. I love the first movie. I like the second movie, though it's a little confusing. Uh, my neighbor loves it. Loves, loves, loves Dune. It's this new Star Wars. It's this new Star Trek. It's okay, like, hold on. I'm going to press a couple of pedals on you here, Tom. By first movie, you mean the original production was 1980-whatever. And second movie, you mean the most recent iteration, which tells the same story, but only half so, because it's thank, supposed to be two films, right? Thank you, thank you, thank you for correcting me on that, because you're right. There was uh, uh, another one in the middle there uh, that I ignored completely. There's a uh, series. HB, yeah, there's an HBO series. Yeah, that's the one I'm ignoring completely, because I didn't see it, and I... I it was terrible. I didn't want to. I, thought it was uh, I am sci-fi. talking about the one with Sting uh, as my original yeah. and the one that That's just original. came out. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, trying to read this comic book was uh, not fun for me in the least. Wait, which comic book? Uh, we're talking about the comic book that we are reviewing tonight for our book club, Dune House of Trainings. Yeah. Now, two of us didn't make it through this, but two of us did. I uh, did, you sons of bitches. I don't think Mike, did you make it through it? I did make it through what? it. I did. You read the whole thing? You guys are... Did. You got past a character named Duncan Idaho in a space opera. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I yeah. read the whole yeah. goddamn thing. And you know uh, what? So yeah. you, with a straight face, sat there and accepted as canon, the name Duncan Idaho. Yeah. It's not lazy writing, it's not something stupid, it's something that you accept, or are willing to go along with, and get on with your life. 
Yeah, where, where do you think they get the name Idaho from? It's from this character. No one likes the side of you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, Josh and I are going to uh, tell you guys why we didn't make through and where we tapped out. But uh, if you guys like the comic, did you guys like the comic book? No, nobody liked it. Uh, they might have. Tommy, did you like this comic book? No, I mean, I didn't hate the comic. There's space. comic books that I've hated, and this one wasn't one that I hated. So this is, no marriage, this is no marriage of Norstar. Because you no. hate that comic. Oh, I hate that comic book with a passion. And no, this is no no marriage of Norstar. All right, so it's better than that. So where does it fall into? Well, give me like a 3 to 18. Uh, it's probably like, I don't know, like 6, 7. Why are we reviewing this? Because we chose it. Oh, the nation chose it. Oh my God! Should we get one of the legionnaires? One of our long box legionnaires wanted this because it's their jam. Okay. All right. If you like Dune, it does tell a lot of backstory about some of the characters in Dune. Poorly. So what we're talking about, though, if the pacing is really slow. In this first volume, the pacing is really slow. If you continue on, it gets a little better in, like, some of the later books. Because I continued on and read, like, the next two issues that were on Comixology. Wait, the next two volumes? The next two issues? Wait, wait. There's two the, volumes wait. now. It's a it's a comic book that, that was consolidated into trades. Yeah. So this is the first trade, and then right. I read the I second. I want to know how far you got. He says I read the, the first trade. trade Read the first trade and then I read two issues. Oh. Into the second trade. Okay. Into the second trade. Okay. All right. I did Six not feel in. compelled to buy the comic book, but know. there were two issues on Comicsology Unlimited that I read. So yeah, well, both well, trades were on Comicsology this week. So I didn't see this. The second trade was well, the new Comicsology app was asking if I wanted to buy the second trade, and I was like, fuck that, I don't want to spend $13.59 on this. Let's all the break about this, the Comixology app, because we've already bashed it in the uh, in the Patreon podcast, and I fully intend to do that again in this podcast. And, matter of fact, you know what? I'm going to make a promise to all of our listeners, in our next podcast, I'm also going to bash it again. I, I know we will continue to bash it. They're not going to fix it. I'm going to, I mean, I know Amazon's not listening, but I'm just going to tell you now, folks, this. It's going to take them years to get back to where they were. I'm angry. If I'm they an fix ang- it. I'm an angry purchaser of comics right now. So for our listeners, what we're talking about is the graphic novel adaptation of the best-selling novel by Brian Hebert, or is it A. Bear? Hebert. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, and Kevin J. Anderson. Um, so they adapted yeah. their novel into uh, this new medium of uh, graphic novel. Um, it said in the years. I'm reading right from the description. Said in the years leading up to the Hugo and Nebula award-winning Dune which inspired the upcoming featured film from Legendary Pictures, Dune House of Atreides, House Atreides transports reader to the far future on the desert planet Acherus, where Peridot Kynes seeks its secrets. Meanwhile, a violent coup is planned by the son of Emperor Elrud, and an eight-year-old slave, Duncan Idaho, seeks to escape his cruel masters, and a young man named Leo Atreides begins a fateful journey. These unlikely souls are drawn together first as renegades, then as something more as they discover their true fate to change the very shape of history. That is, uh, that is an exclamation point that really didn't need to be there. Yeah. True, they didn't. I, I have some hard times sometimes with sort of these, the omnidramatic prequels to things, right? So it always seems, and I get it, right? It's that they always try to build up to these massive events, right? Where I feel like this is like 
people who make their D&D characters and they always have a tragic backstory and nobody ever just like comes up in a normal way. And that's the kind of the characters we get stuck with. And it's just so convoluted and coming from so many different directions where you're just like, am I really to believe that the universe is this poorly created that all these things like happen to come together I don't know it just seems mishmash the dialogue was not great I really disliked the way they did panels in this book maybe it was just me well so here's here's a couple things about it uh, in addition to the panels I thought the artwork was fine it was uh, okay yeah it wasn't, it wasn't great. great it, it wasn't, wasn't bad it wasn't bad. Uh, the problem is, in the novels, uh, obviously there's a lot of exposition, giving you a lot more detail of everything that's going on. And so in the first Dune movie, uh, from the 15 or 20 minutes I remember of it, uh, before I fell asleep, there was a lot of thought bubbles in their head, but they were actually speaking, right? It was voiceover where they were giving you the exposition that they would well, have. Well, I mean, technically, he was basically watching, like, he was basically watching documentaries, and we were looking over his shoulder. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, there was exposition, yeah. but there really is this, like, there's just no way to do Dune without exposition. It's impossible. Right, because you I have mean, to build be, that world. But they don't... 27 do, movies, right? So, they... They don't they do, do that, that in this graphic novel. They don't, and, and they don't... Yeah, yeah, and the, the and the medium is not set up for something that you need all this other background information on. If I'm sure, if you, well, you guys read the books, and you still didn't like it. So, like, I I have never read the books. I understood what was going on, but I didn't give a shit about any of these characters except for Duncan Idaho, and I didn't even know who the fuck it was until just before the podcast when I made the connection that it was fucking Aquaman. Like, that's, that's my reference point. Like, oh, that was Aquaman. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So in a lot of books, they do full page just the written word, right? Where we have yeah. where we yeah. have backstory, and this is definitely, definitely one of those books where you could have put a full written page at maybe at every chapter even every half book to give us backstory and information on the universe and places and things. Or a lot of books actually do it really well where they have like uh, objects that are predefined or written about, right? Where you see this is the whatever, the rifle of X, Y, and Z and they give some history and they this is this object and this is what they do. And Dune is rife with that amount of information. It's there's such a glut of of world building done with Dune that it could have easily been put in in here, but no, they just opted for like nine panel pages. You couldn't even see the background, so they couldn't even they couldn't even world build behind characters in this book because they crammed people in to tiny frames, and it was just it was not. I mean, the artwork. You're right; it was fine, but the position of information was just terrible. And Dune is a very, very complex story. There are plans within plans in Dune. And when you're reading this story, you know, you're getting the impression that you're not going to find out until book 30 what any of the plans are because this is going so slow. It's... It's just the pacing is really, really slow in this in these first books, and if they're not going to give you the exposition and tell you what's going on, then they really need to like increase the pacing early on to draw you in, and they're not doing that. Yeah, I think I mean I'm we always a lot of times on the podcast we talk about exposition as the enemy, right? And so there's a couple of ways we need to get around that, right? Especially in comics. So there's the visual medium, right, where we, the artist can define what's going on by what's happening in the background and what we see. But there's also uh, – I'm not always sure that those sort of novelized pages 
I would consider exposition instead of backstory or right. It's not like it's not like people or dialogue like hearkening back to things that aren't particularly relevant where we feel like we're just getting jammed in the eye with like flashbacks. I think there's a certain amount of a certain amount of leeway, right, for, for comic creators to have this a large amount of dialogue or description or or something and not feel like we're not getting murdered by by that as we move into the story and the action and the visuals. And those are things that as as creators and, and as the I don't know, you would say the producer, the person who's actually making those decisions what goes on the comic has have failed us dramatically in this book, right? Yes. I, I concur. Yeah, I mean, these, just, yeah. comics are limited to your imagination. You can do whatever you want in this medium, and they chose to just not use it to the best of its abilities. So, so I think I think one of the things we don't talk about often is so when creators are putting these books together, right? Instead of movies or films or TV, we have an artist, a writer, but who, I mean, at some point, it bubbles up to somebody who is essentially the producer, right? Somebody who puts everything together, and who was it on this book? Like, where did it, who fell? Well, was, who even produced this? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, And so, like, a lot of times when we read, especially the monthlies, right, you have, you know, you have an, an artist, a writer, and an editor, and who does that really fall on at, from a creation process? Is there someone who's elevated to be in charge that I don't know about? Matt Doswell has a great bit about a guy who works at a magazine called Piss Drinkers. And every month they crank out that magazine called Piss Drinkers, and every month the editor has to really care about the layout. And he's got to go in there screaming at people, look, this episode of Piss Drinkers is the worst one we ever put out. You didn't even line up the pages right, and, 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 and you didn't use fast enough film. You can only kind of see the pee. You want that pee to pop. You know, and the artist is like, oh, man, I thought the pee would be more metaphorical. And at the end of the day, it's the, it's the editor that takes a look at it and says, yeah, this flies or this doesn't fly, or maybe we have to go in a different direction, guys. But it, I mean, we say that, but I don't know if that's true. Well, this is, at the end of the day, go ahead. this is this was put out by Boom Studios, like the, that was the publisher, and they they have the advantage of having the actual author of the book as one of the creators, right? So I think that causes a problem. Also, right, because that's the creator. It's his baby. You know, do you want to go in and say, yeah, you, this isn't good. you got to fix this? And maybe, maybe not. So also, you know, when, you're, when you've got an author that's used to writing two-inch thick books, to go from writing a book that's, you know, dense and thick and complex, sometimes is a hard adjustment to changing mediums. And also there's the beats, right? Because you want to have the each issue end on a kind of a cliffhanger to get the reader to want to read the next issue. Um, but that's not something when you're writing a novel you really have to concern yourself with. When the chapter ends, the chapter ends. The person's going to go on to the next chapter. Regardless, you don't have to have a specific, okay, I have to have at page 32, I got to have the story a story break right there that'll be a cliffhanger for the next book, right? Or the Unless you're Tolkien and they're like, this can't be one book. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> shit up. What's wrong with you? Uh, yeah, I mean, but at, yeah, at some point somebody has to bubble up through that whole process and look at this and say, there's either not enough information or there's too much information and it needs to be like you, you are creating things that where, if there is no inherent knowledge of what you're talking about, it is, it's just, it's just, it's just reckless art, with words, right? There's no backstory. There's no. 
it's no information. You're talking to, you know, four people that know some backstory, right? We've all read Dune. Granted, some of us haven't read it in 30 years. Well, no, I, I think that's not true for this book, right? I mean, it's a year but, old. But I'm, I'm just so saying, in this right group. Dune. No, in this, in yeah, this no, group. Uh, yeah, you're right. In this group, yeah. We've, we've all read Dune, and some of us couldn't even get through this book. Yeah. It does have really good so user reviews. We review. all had the backstory, and half of us couldn't get through this book. I, ha- I do, yeah. On Comixology, it has uh, 77% five-star reviews. And when you scroll through those reviews, they are all Dune fans who are like, oh, this is this is what I wanted. So, obviously, right. it's hitting... it gives you backstory yeah, it's, to characters yeah. that you already know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the people who are reading this are real fans of Frank Herbert. Herbert? Sure. And um, maybe this book is for them and not for us. Maybe it's for people who love the Dune books, and they're new to graphic novels, and they... You know, this is fine for them. That's okay, too. Uh, it just wasn't for me coming from a I like graphic novels point. I've got to say, I like the two issues after this trade much better than the trade. And I think it's, I think it's just because, like, the, the pacing in it is so slow. And the action starts after all of this, like, like even more backstory, if you will, happens. Um, you know, it, it's just such a slow beginning. And Dune is not like the quickest action film ever, right? I mean, it, it's not. It's a dense story. And to have something that starts out this slow and put it into a comic book form, which is not meant to be slow, is difficult. So, I'm not <laughs> saying it wasn't a hard project. I'm no, no, saying, I'm just saying I don't yeah. know that it was necessarily well done either. Like, I, I think, but I think a lot of it had to do with the, the way they paced it. Um, because, like I said, like, the two issues I read after this were much better. And, yeah. They also had an, another option of telling the whole story in a graphic sure. novel and not going with single floppy issues month after month yeah. after month. And then just binding just four at a time together to release volumes of this. They could have just and gone I, with just one graphic novel. Yeah, it would have been, I think, if they had taken their time and paced themselves and put some real gravitas into like an introduction and some information at the beginning of this, it would have gone a long way. Um, also, uh, I'll just say, uh, a lot of what impaired me here was Amazon's horrible implementation of comicsology. Oh, uh, as it was, uh, I'm, I read on my PC. Every, I don't. My iPad has aged out. My Kindle's a paperwhite for reading regular print, and so I read comicsology on my PC and everything right now is unreadable. And if you want to hear more about our rant on comicsology, go over to our Patreon-only podcast called The Geek Leak, where we talk about it in depth. For just $1 a month, you can get an extra podcast from us. Just about every week we do a podcast called The Geek Leak. It's at patreon.com slash guys, And all the money we get from our Patreon account does not go to us. It goes to the Elizabeth Peabody uh, house, uh, so they, the food bank, right, Tom? Uh, that's right. The Elizabeth Peabody house is food bank. They feed uh, up 100-plus people a week now. We, uh, we've had a little influx uh, over at the food bank, and uh, I've been told by a couple of relief agencies that we should be expecting some more people from the Ukraine starting this week. So we have that to look forward to. Uh, but all that money really does go to the Elizabeth Peabody House Food Bank, and they are very appreciative of our efforts. Your efforts, really. Yeah. yeah. That seems like a reasonable expectation for Mike to dodge me out of this complaining thing again, but fuck that. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> you're lucky that Comixology is not our sponsor. But Comixology, if you're listening, and we know you're fucking not. <laughs> 
we can be bribed and we will sing your praises because, you know, ethics. Hey, let's face it. We're going to have a problem with comicsology and L7 for a while. These two enemies of ours are not going away. And Andy Dick. He knows and that. Andy Dick. We, we used to have a great love of comicsology. Now, not so, not so much. much. Not so much. I can't wait to go play with it tonight. Now, I, I, I read some from my library yesterday. I didn't even notice any changes. But I wasn't. I was just. I, I did I just not notice changes, Tom. I just pulled up my page on the last comic book I read. I read a couple pages and went to bed. I didn't notice. It didn't force you. It didn't, when you opened up the app, it didn't force you into an upgrade. It didn't, like, like almost in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, an assaulty sort of way, say, you need to upgrade now. I'll just say, go ahead and try to watch it, read anything on your PC tonight. I never read on my, I, I don't even know how to do it on my PC. I, I, I don't read Literally, when I went into the app, it said, you must upgrade now. It did not give me a choice. It did not let me continue reading what I was reading. Every single device I picked up, it was like, you need to upgrade now. You can't read what you, you can't use the old app. I gotcha. You see ya. All right, final words on House of Trades. Uh, and let me go first by saying it wasn't for me, but I uh, I did go over and talk to my friend Tony, who loves everything Dune right now, and he liked it. He, he said, oh, I'll read the rest of this later. Thank you, Tom. And he, I think he downloaded Comicsology just to get it, which might have been a curse. And uh, he loved it. He's a big Dune fan, so maybe it just wasn't for me, but it's certainly for my neighbor. I mean, if I'm you hoping get past it gets better. Words, I, if you can get past the missing words and you know the characters well enough to sort of project that into comic book form and not worry about backstory or exposition, I think you're okay. The artwork's fine. Uh, dialogue is pulled directly from novels. I think I think it'd be okay. If you are somebody who's like, you know what, I think I would like to learn more about Dune before I see the next part of the movie, but I've never read the books. You uh, should go do spend some time doing something else. Yeah, you go should, read the book. You should go read the book. Yeah, go, go read, read the, the book Dune. If you like them, go read the book Dune, and uh, you'll be happier. Yeah, yeah. Go do that. I mean, I got better because this comic book really was exactly that. It was supposed to be a prequel to get people energized for the movie. I mean, Not I animated. love Dune. I love Dune, and and I had to slog my way through this comic book. All right. Mikey, did you give your last uh, word on this? Me. Uh, I, I hate uh, I hate gucking anyone's jump. I'm glad people like this. It, it just lost me kind of quick. Hey man, this is Kevin Smith, uh, Silent Bob from all those terrible Jane Silent Bob type pictures, and you are listening to Thinking Outside the Long Box Comics Talk for comics fans. Moving on, Mikey. What do you got at the front of the long box? At the front of the long box, I want to clean all your pallets. Let's go over to one of the the. It's probably the best duo in comics. That's Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Read another one of their graphic novels this week. It is Velvet. If you have ever watched a James Bond movie and thought, I bet you Money Petty can kick some ass, then this is the book for you because they take the Money Penny character and you find out that. She's not just there as a secretary. She's a fucking badass spy in her own right. And, uh, yeah, it's it's an excellent series. Uh, everything that Brubaker and uh, Phelps do are, is amazing. So you should definitely check it out. It's Velvet. Uh, there are three volumes. The first two volumes tell the story of... Uh, it, it gives her background, and uh, while at the same time telling a story set in the present day, uh, where she is uh, trying to find a traitor or a mole within her agency. So, well done, as always, by that team. Clap, 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 clap. I'll, I'll read that. I like the character Money Penny. I always, I always like the name, and uh, I like female spies. I love Danger Girl. I'm gonna do this a shot. Tommy, my brother, what do you got in the back? I have Downward to the Earth. Uh, this is by Philip Thoreau and Laura Zuccheri. Uh, it is a, a, a sort of a reimagining of Robert Silverberg's novel, 
downward to the earth. Uh, is very beautifully drawn, very imaginative uh, backdrops. It is a story of a, a man who is a, a colonizer on this planet that has now become decolonized. He goes back after eight years. His world, after going back to Earth, just seems kind of flat. So he goes back to this planet that he was once one of the colonizers of uh, to witness this rebirth ceremony that no humans are supposed to ever witness. Um, but he intends to kind of sneak his way in and with a group of scientists who want to um, sort of film it and take it down, etc. and so forth. And it's really, it's just a, a kind of an, the journey of the story is really the story. And it's, like I said, very beautifully done. The dialogue's pretty good. It's it's kind of a, a sort of story about growth of a person. Um, and it's just, like I said, it's a very beautiful book. So It's by Humanoids, which is a European comic publisher. So um, yeah. they do a lot yeah, of I good, mean, it's, very pretty books. And the, the Robert Silverberg novel is supposed to be about transcendence. Um, and it gets a lot about that, a lot of sort of, you know, these aliens that go through this ritual where they sort of uh, go into a trance and don't remember anything that they've done uh, and go into this whole system of rebirth and transformation. And the whole book is about sort of uh, transforming and changing yourself. So it's good in a 70s sort of hippie way. I'm a 76 kind of guy. All right. Josh, sweet, sweet Josh, happy-go-lucky Josh, what do you got for me as a tangent? Yeah, it's not happy-go-lucky today. I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm having a worry week. Uh, I'm not feeling, uh, not feeling grounded this week. Let me, let me give you one bit. Before you go on, let me give you one bit of good news that might help you out. Sure. Okay. Justin Timberlake has just volunteered to go fight in the Ukraine. He's going to be stationed right next to the uh, the Crimea River. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Come on! If you can't find humor in the death of thousands of Ukrainians, where can you find it? Come on! I don't know. I don't know. Uh, where was the Is he going to bring uh, the boys back here. home? I don't know if that's a joke or not because I don't know any of his songs. Stop it. Yeah, I, don't I don't believe there is a song called The Boys Back Home. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going on. You could just say random words and I still wouldn't get the joke. Tommy so pretend he froze there because he just wanted to deal with that shit joke. <laughs> All right, Josh, give us a tangent. Uh, where was I going? I mean, it's tangential, so I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... I think, you know, where are we, James? February 28th, 2022 here. Russia invades Ukraine's first big land war in a while. And uh, it's, it's, the it's, first, sort of, it's the first land war in Europe in our lifetime. I mean, you never want to get into a land war in Asia. We, we've learned this pretty quickly from uh, from film, TV, movies, history. And, yeah, it's it's disturbing. It's one of those things where you're like, I'm not sure what's going to happen. It's definitely a, a global shakeup. So, uh, I mean, and I'm going to go out and say, for me, my first global shakeup, and just share yours, was uh, Challenger in 84, right? Like, that was the first thing that really shook me to my core as a kid growing up. Like, that's something I really remember. So what was the first thing, and and it could be comic or history, or the first thing that really just, like, set you on a path in a different direction uh, that wasn't related to, you know, your family, your town. Like, how big did it get before... You uh, before you found something that like you know gave you that little kick. Uh, 
Give me the year, because I want to be... For me, I'll go first. Uh, you guys might be a little too young, but in the 70s, you're a little, well, I'm a little bit older than you guys, not by much, but I remember the 70s a little bit better than you guys. You guys remember the 70s at all? I a little bit. bit. Very, very a little bit. 70s. Do you guys remember license plates being used to get gas? You don't. No. All right, good. So let me. Let but me, I let me... do remember long lines during the, the the fuel crisis. That's exactly what I'm getting at. So uh, during the 1970s, we had a huge fuel crisis where everything kind of changed. We didn't know if we were going to have enough gasoline uh, to fuel America anymore. That's how bad it felt. If you had an odd number on your license plate, you could get it on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. And if you hadn't even, you got it on the other days. So uh, they were checking your license plates to make sure you were going to the gas station on the right day. The lines would be blocks and blocks long because people were afraid that they weren't going to be able to fuel up next time. And they were definitely afraid that there wasn't going to be enough fuel to make it for the, you know, the two days where it was. And it was all mental. Um, this fuel crisis was kind of made by OPEC at the time and a little bit brought on by our own hubris. Jimmy Carter gave the very famous Malay speech, uh, which pretty much tanked him as a president. Greatest ex-president, I think, of all time, but not one of the greatest presidents of our time. Ex-presidents, uh, well, he's up there. Uh, I mean, I'll argue for Carter, but... That's what I'm, I said, Carter. We're talking yeah, about no, Jimmy Carter. I know. I'm going to argue... For Carter, as a better president than most people perceive him as. Uh, oh yeah, I'm not saying he was a yeah. terrible president. I'm saying he was the greatest ex-president ever, but an okay president. Uh, he did keep us out of a lot of stuff, which is kind of hard to think. But um, yeah, that was the, that was the first thing for me. The uh, those gas lines and everyone being afraid that we were going to run out of fuel, and we really kind of thought the American way of life was changing, and. Uh, yeah, for me, I think it was the Iran hostage crisis. Cause, About the same time. Yeah, because I, yeah. right. I remember. Carter solved and the Canadians took credit for it. So. Uh, yeah, that's the. Well, Reagan, we, Reagan we, took credit for it. Well, that's, that's because they sold Iran, illegally sold Iran arms. Uh, our, our parts uh, for all the old uh, planes, so that way they could f illegally fund the uh, Contras and go against Congress's orders. But that's a whole other story. But no, the uh, the hostage crisis. I remember watching that. But actually, like I think that was my first time. Like the world, like I, like it seemed important. Like because my parents. Uh, like they read the newspaper and they watched the nightly, they watched the news every day. But when that came on, we had to shut up because they were talking about something important. So that kind of made me think, oh, well, my life, stuff outside of my immediate life is affects things. Yeah. So I was a small person, and. I was a small person when this happened, but it kind of shook me up when I believe it was nine people died at a Who concert because of general admission tickets. That freaked me out. Really? Yeah. They got crushed, right? Yeah, it was they terrible. got crushed. WKRP so I say it was in Cincinnati, I think. Yeah, I think WKRP had a whole episode about it. And it may not have been Cincinnati. It may just have been on on WKRP. That was why I re associated with Cincinnati. I think it was actually but, Chicago. Uh, yeah. I think it was somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of freaked me out because I was like the Who and wanted to see the Who. And yet, people were dying seeing the Who. And that yeah, was, that I was, think, uh... the first big thing that, well, little thing that kind of shook me up. Yeah, it's a big thing. Nine people lost their lives. Uh, that didn't shake me up too much. It didn't really register on my radar as that, but I can tell it would affect... Because it, it was just so unexpected. Yeah. 
You know, it's like people going to see a show, and nine of them didn't make it out. Yeah, it was terrible. Well, great topic, wow. Josh. Yeah, thanks. Way to bring down the podcast. Let's, let's bring it up. Let's each tell one of the things we loved about Pensacon. Oh, Which there was we so just much went to. Yeah, there was a lot to learn about Pensacon this year. We had a great time. Uh, I'll go first. Everything I'm going to steal great. LTs. I loved our game show, Last Nerd Standing. Oh, God, we so had great. prizes. Almost everyone who went to Last Nerd Standing got a prize. Almost everyone. I wish we, I wish if we hadn't let the late people in, everybody would have gotten prizes. <laughs> Mikey, if we didn't let those late people in, we wouldn't have been able to shame them. That's true. That's right. It was all—it would have been a riot. Let's face it; it would have been a riot if we didn't let those people in. Uh, I really enjoyed karaoke. Karaoke this year was great. We had this one guy who might as well have been made of pork. He was such a ham, and he did Cab Calloway's "Made of the Moocher." He did a phenomenal job. He even did a little dance number during it. That was a good time to me. Uh, we had to improvise a little bit and, and, and change the show around just a, a smidge. We were doing once more with feeling and we found out that the audience had aged out of that. Most of those kids out in that audience had no idea what Buffy the Musical was and did not give a rat's ass about doing it. They wanted to sing in Kanto songs, which we changed over Dr. Horrible. Both. It was both. We, we, I, I asked them if they wanted to do any of those two musicals and everyone was like, no, nah, not thanks. I'm like, all right. We've aged out of Dr. Horrible. And, and yet the they, they love the Time Warp. They did. The Time Warp, I guess, is a little more timeless. Everything was good about that that one. How about you, Mikey? What was your favorite memory? Uh, Boy, I, you still, that's right. You still love tease. That's why I thought it was you. LT, what was your favorite memory? Uh, you know, I just uh, really had a good time moderating uh, the panels that we, uh, we got asked to do at the last minute. I was going to uh, say, your you know, panel, you did a great job on your panel. You know, I, I was a little apprehensive about both my panels because uh, the first one was the first panel and it wasn't very heavily attended, but the people that did attend seemed to really have a good time. I know I had a good time talking to the artists. And then the other panel I did, I was getting a little nervous because people were not having questions. And I really thought it was a panel that was going to be geared towards people just having questions and wanting answers. Uh, but it ended up going well, really well. So, but I had a good time, you know. Do as always, talking to artists, which I haven't done in in, in a couple of years now. So. I'm, I'm going to jump in with one more. Love seeing old friends. We saw so yeah. many of our friends that we see every single year. Diane, her boyfriend, the nice uh, ladies that always come to all of our panels. I can't remember all their names. We made new friends. Uh, who does the podcast. Uh, Those the fairies movie. came to all of our panels. Every single gorgeous, great and we They were dressed as fairies. We are not being pejorative. <laughs> literal wings, people. Literal wings. wings. I think they were actually doing Tinkerbell and some of the other ones from the new Tinkerbell uh, uh, little TV show. It was terrific. Josh, how about you? You had a great time. You looked so good with your mutton chops. Yeah, nobody recognized me. It was terrible. Anyway. <laughs> you chose Sebastian Shaw, no one of the one. most obscure Hellfire no clubs. I was <laughs> with Emma Frost the whole show. Not a single person guessed who I was. Anyway. That's because no one was looking at you. Because <laughs> you were with Emma Frost. The show in that white uh, yes, queen outfit. Fair. I didn't anyway, agree with that. I, I had two things going on. One was our interaction with Judge Reinhold, which was amazing. Oh, hilarious. You want to do it real quick? I'll tell the story real quick. So Tom was run up to, it's Matt Kutchner, right? Right. From SNL uh, yeah. and, and every Will Ferrell movie. And we were going to go do the Bill Brasky skit. And it was sort of wedged into the corner. And Mike had, we had been doing trivia on the drive down from Atlanta to Pensacola and some of the trivia we had done was about Judge Reinhold, who I had really seems like a nice enough guy, but I had really no interest in meeting him or, or rushing off to his booth, getting anything done. But we just happened to be there, and of course Reinhold was closing up with the night, closing up for the night. And so I looked over my shoulder. I'm like, Reinhold, I'm like yeah. What was your first 
television appearance. And he's like, it was a Wonder Woman, a Wonder Woman uh, episode. I'm like, absolutely. What was the title of the episode? And he's like, I, I have no idea. Like, I, I don't remember that. And the woman who's on the opposite side of him goes, Amazon Hot Wax. And I was like, absolutely. And I'm like, how did you remember that? And she's like, I'm his wife. I actually remember things about his career. So it turns out Amy's actually the star of that couple. <laughs> looks like shit. She looks fucking fantastic. She knew the answers to all of our shit. She was so good. But then Reinhold jumps in right afterwards, and he's like, even more embarrassing than that was my second credit. He's like, so I was on the pilot for Magnum P.I. And Tom Selleck, I, he's like, I was playing a, 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 Navy, a, a Navy person, and I was supposed to stop Tom Selleck from getting onto the ship. And so Selleck was supposed to, like, get past me somehow, but they didn't really write it into the script in any way. So Selleck had come straight from the chow line, and he had a bowl full of food. And so it looks like, and, and he just was, was like, ah, eh, whatever, and just played it off. They filmed it. He got handed me a bowl of food. I took that as my bribe, and I just started eating it. And so Selleck sneaks onto the ship after providing me food. And my on-screen credit is chicken eating semen. <laughs> Because he was so, in the Navy. Because he was in the Navy. <laughs> so, yeah, and it was a bowl full of whatever chicken, you know, chicken and rice. And uh, I was like, wow, that is embarrassing. Thank you for that story. It was kind. And it was, uh, and he was just honest and funny. And we had yeah, no, a real guy. Honestly, yeah, he was just a real guy. And honestly, at the beginning of the con, I had no interest in meeting him. And But we all, we all rallied and went back there the next day and had our picture taken with him. And his, and his wife Amy, who was who was absolutely fucking delightful. And I think Judge Reinhold uh, could give a lesson to other celebrities there. I saw some celebrities who had no interaction with people, who just sat there like the just kind of were plants in a corner, and people weren't coming up and talking to them or doing anything with them except their hardcore fans. And like Judge Reinhold, one of didn't like try to win us over. He was just a genuine nice guy, and, and that yeah. made us want to go talk to him. It was. Uh, and so, but I think my absolute favorite moment was I, I, I did get to do a uh, um, manage a panel. And on that panel was those comics for kids. And the big, uh, the big, you know, uh, person on that panel was a uh, guy Gilchrist, if anybody's familiar. So he worked with uh, uh, Jim Henson for 30 years. He did the comic strip Nancy for 20 years. If you see any representation of Muppets, the Muppet Babies, Fraggle Rock, anything that was not a physical Muppet that was translated to TV, comics, cartoons, anything, that was Guy Gilchrist. He's a, he's the heavyweight of, of, of Jim Henson's creations that are not puppets. Uh, and it was, it was nice to have that conversation with all those folks. I thought the panel went really well, and I told the panel at the time that I have a familial connection to that where my grandfather did uh archie and mighty mouse and guy gilchrist actually remembered my grandfather so i was uh i was very appreciative of that and just the idea that somewhere my family legacy uh there are people who are more famous and uh it was terrible that he said that son of a bitch owes me five dollars but still nice yeah it's still nice (laughs) It was really, it was really as a, a heartfelt moment for me. It was, uh, it was really nice. It was weird because you had mentioned it at the panel, and they were like, "Oh, then you have every right to be moderating. You should be one of the panelists with us." And I was like, "I don't think they understand how comics work. Just because <laughs> his uh, grandfather did comics father does did not make him a comic book artist. It does not. Yeah, Bill uh, Finger's, the, the Bill Finger's granddaughter." sometimes sits on panels and she doesn't even like comic books and we've seen her on panels going i don't know much i remember my i remember it was nice <laughs> i mean it was it was definitely nice of them to say that and it was nice for everyone I, and there was uh the uh the daughter of uh of bill there on the panel who was like you know 
her first panel ever and it was just a familiar connection it was nice that they recognized that it was nice that guy gilchrist even had any any idea who my grandfather was was pretty cool and i i i like when we get called on by the by the con to go do those things it's really it's really nice and it's cool it's good we we were busy that day a lot of people said saturday was the busiest day but we were so busy we already noticed it was crowded it was it was nice i i i mean i yeah i get there was a lot of organizational stuff like midday on a couple of days and uh people were having a hard time and honestly i felt like a lot of the people there were a lot of people who were like oh my god the the trade floor was so packed and i was like no you haven't you haven't been to any other con yeah. in your entire life if you think that was a trade you haven't been to san trade. diego comic-con that's yeah certain. <laughs> you haven't been to boston comic-con pre-covid a comic-con right like yeah I felt like there were a lot of first-timers there who didn't know what they were to expect. And don't get me wrong, it was pretty tough without the hotel uh, and yeah. spreading things out over, like, sort of the course of the of the town. But I don't know. But I will All say, I, th- I think it worked because we spent a lot more time at the restaurants downtown than normally. Like, we That's would true. just... Go over to Whataburger usually and just grab something quick, uh, where you know, so we could get back to the con. This time, I didn't feel like we were rushing; like we didn't have to go. Other than do our panels, like everything else we did was kind of at our own pace. Um, yeah, yeah. I think they need to. Well, they need to cut out the location that was close to our Airbnb. That needs to go away, right? It was just in the opposite direction of anything, everything, yeah. yeah. And there was no need yeah. for it. Uh, I think if they kept everything in or on around Palafox, except for the the floor, I think I think that'd be fine. Uh, I think they did a good job. I think they need to pick up a couple of more restaurants, bars, and whatever to do specific and open events, so that that'd people nice. people feel like they have a place to go. Because they, they were nice enough to give us 30 minutes between shit because of which was, for all intents and purposes, the recognition of a lack of, of, of good organization, right? They're like, we're not sure people are going to know where they need to go, so we're going to give people a lot more time this year. Yeah, in between the yeah. panels, there was always a 30-minute buffer, which was also good because a lot of times the panelists... Uh, were coming from the convention center to get there and they were getting there late. So what they needed to do was have a bunch more of the local restaurants and bars with things in between panels. Right? So people have a place to go. Celebrities have a way to get there, have the time to get there and we don't feel like we're just standing around like shuffling around the street for 30 minutes, right? You so don't I, shuffle anywhere. You power walk wherever you go. And when I get there, I drink like a motherfucker, and that's how I roll. And I just want that everywhere I go. Maybe we should move our last nerd standing to your friend's bar. Uh, we could do that. Five Barrel, they would love to do last nerd standing, I bet. I'm sure he would. Yeah. And uh, let me just say this. Josh is a notorious fast walker. Is uh, so the white So fast. Uh, I was so happy to see those bird scooters. I downloaded the app, jumped on those birds wherever I had to walk anywhere with Josh. They're great. They're terrific. Yeah. I didn't break my neck. I almost broke my neck once, but I didn't break my neck. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone else try the bird scooter? I, I mean, I've ridden everywhere, especially uh, my big – the most money I spent on that was uh, Gen Con in Indianapolis. I was I, I didn't take a cab anywhere. I fucking drove those things everywhere. It's great. They're kind of fun. I like them. Yeah, they're fun. I like them. Nice. <laughs> All right, I guess that brings us to plugs. We've been uh, putting mm-hmm. in for at least one other con coming up. Yeah, Mike, awesome Mike, con. Just... What is it? Awesome con in DC. All right. All right. That's that's a drive for me and Josh. And LT. Yeah. Let's get that done. LT, you got anything to plug over there, buddy? I'd like to plug geekorthodox.com. 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 Hello, Timmy. 
GeekOrthodox.com, purveyor of fine t-shirts and other geeky things, such as stained glass prints, uh, baseball shirts, uh, baseball caps, socks, you name it, they got it, GeekOrthodox.com. And Ian, if you're listening, there's a problem at GeekOrthodox.com. It's uh, hard to order any of your shirts right now. So you might want to take a look into that. Maybe we should. Yeah, this comes out like a week later. We should yeah, maybe we should email him that one. <laughs> maybe I'll give him a little right buzz now. on the old uh, Facebook. Yeah. Okay, I was trying to order a birthday present for Tom from geekorthodox.com because I know he loves it. Uh, I do love everything about geekorthodox I got. Uh, you're Josh gonna just call what I got you for your birthday. Oh, What's the problem? I, I'll let this call him. Uh, I like to live, uh, uh, what's the thing I like over here? Hotbox Pizza. Hotbox Pizza in Somerville. If you're looking for a pizza, Hotbox. Yeah. Yeah, I like those guys. I would like to thank uh, Kirby Crackle, who provide our geek rock music every week. You can check them out at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you're listening to this podcast, you already have heard Kirby Crackle at the beginning of the end. (laughs) Well, I guess we're talking Ian, huh? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I got you on speakerphone, and we're on the podcast, and Mike is having a problem ordering T-shirts from the site. What's the problem, Mike? Problem is, there's no way to select a T-shirt. They're like, there's you click on apparel, it doesn't go to apparel. It says there's an error. I can't hear it. You can't hear him? Hold on. No, because you're wearing headphones, Josh, and you're holding <laughs> oh, a phone. Josh, you drunk son of a bitch. <laughs> Say it again, Mike. Hey, Ian, oh, when I yeah. click on apparel, the, it gives error me an now. error, mis- yeah, an error message. Okay. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. This is a good podcast. I've been drinking, and we're on the podcast, but Mike can't order t-shirts from his site. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, I mean, I, I can't hear Mike, but have him yeah. get in touch with me, and I'll, I'll figure out what's going on. Uh, every once in a while, there's you know, some back-end thing crops up, some <laughs> Thanks for letting me know there's a problem, all. If you can, can give me a little more information, I'll figure out what's Well, thanks, Ian. Uh, uh, we will figure it out, and we will provide you more information. Yeah, and yeah, I will um, I will drink yeah, more. Email and will, me or, or text me or, or whatever else and let me know what's going on. I think get it corrected. Yeah, I think if I drink more, it's going to help more. Yeah. That is the yeah. The answer to, to some questions. Absolutely. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Ian Lino. Ian Lino, alcohol, the uh, beginning and solution to most of our problems. Alcohol. I like to think alcohol. Did that work at all? No. It did not. It did not. It would be horrible. If you're yeah. watching this on now, YouTube, we have a podcast, by I the way. If you're listening to us on the, the podcast, we have a YouTube channel. Go subscribe to that, too. We actually get a bunch of new subscribers to our YouTube channel uh, after Pensacon. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. All right. By the way, uh, I'd also like to thank all our listeners in China, we get 100 to 150 downloads of a podcast from China. And I know I've been contacted by one guy who lives in Hong Kong, but the only way he can listen to us is by watching us on YouTube. Uh, but that's uh, thank you to all our Asian fans. I did not realize we were going to be this big in China. I thought we were going to be big in Japan. I knew you were going to make that joke before this. Uh, and yeah. I've been to Japan. I am big in Japan. You know where I'm also big? The Philippines. I'm like Godzilla walking around the Philippines. They're tiny people is what I'm trying to say. They're tiny people. Ooh, little fellas. Yeah, I think we yeah. All right, I think that'll do it for us. Mikey, what is this podcast like to you? It's like Drunk History, but for comics. Tommy, sweet, sweet Tommy. Any last words? Apparently. Apparently, this podcast is like a cure for gigantism for Mikey <laughs> in, uh, in, in Japan and the Philippines. <laughs> and, and Josh, one more beer? Is that your sector? Uh, is no, one more? 
I'm not. Yeah, at least one more. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's my sector tonight. I'll I'll find out if I have a job tomorrow. That'll be my sector. Neat. Awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. I love you. Don't forget what I always say. Don't just what you hate. Just promote what you love. You're gonna live longer. Thank you so much for the love box, guys. Love you. Bye bye. <laughs>